As you know, we've got a bit of a situation on our hands when it comes to energy, right? Uh, we know that oil prices, we had a big conversation yesterday about how oil prices are, are very nice for uh, our oil producers uh, in our province. Revenues are really good. A um, little tougher for those of us uh, filling up at the gas pumps. Even worse if you're in Europe where they're really dealing with an energy crisis there. Um, the West, as you know, Joe Biden actually went to OPEC, went to the Saudis and said, hey, help us out a bit here. Can you increase supply, bring down uh, the price of uh, oil, thereby bringing down the price of gas. And and the Saudis not only said no, they went the opposite direction. So uh, they don't seem to be playing along. Why not? We'll find out. We're going to have a conversation now uh, about this very situation. Uh, with John Rapley, who is a political economist at the University of Cambridge and a senior fellow at the Johannesburg Institute for Advanced Study. John, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. It's a pleasure. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting. We see the the, the president heading, uh, you know, hat in hand to the Saudis saying we need some help. But can OPEC help us out by increasing supply? And not only did they say no, they went the opposite direction. They're reducing supply, right? I mean, they're not playing uh, ball at all here. No, no, they're not. It strikes me as being a rather ham-fisted move by Mohammed bin Salman, the Saudi crown prince, who's effectively the country's ruler. Uh, I think he's probably overplaying his hand, and he's going to live mm-hmm. to regret that move. What, what, what's the thinking? I mean, there's probably a short game and a long game, but what's the reasoning when, when the Saudis say no and, and OPEC actually decides they're going to reduce uh, their output? What's the reasoning there? At least, uh, what are we told? Well, there's the official answer and then there's the unofficial answer about which we can only speculate. But the official answer would be what the Saudis are giving is that this is all about economics. They're trying to keep the oil price at a relatively high level because, first of all, they don't want, they feel rather strongly that consuming countries shouldn't be the one to set the price. It should be set by the people who actually control the resource, which is the producing countries. But also they want to keep oil prices at a level that enable them to bring about this very ambitious uh, transformation. I mean, call it ambitious. Some would say it's absolutely crazy, some of the things that Mohammed bin Salman envisions for the future of Saudi Arabia. But he's trying to bring about a transformation of the economy, and he needs the money to do that. So that's the official line. Right. Unofficially, uh, I think one has to bear in mind that Mohammed bin Salman was very close to the Trump administration, in particular to uh, to his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner. And I think his view would be he doesn't have to do Joe Biden any favors. Joe Biden hasn't done him any favors because he, first of all, when he came to office, tried to set out to isolate Mohammed bin Salman and to sort of weaken those ties, which, of course, have been a hallmark of American foreign policy in the Middle East. Um, so he doesn't feel he has to do him any favors. And... I'm sure at the back of his mind is the thought that if this only makes life more difficult for the Democrats in the election year and might hasten the return of Donald Trump, that would actually be a win for him. So I, I don't think he's never going to say that publicly, and I yeah. don't think he'd even hint at that publicly. And Well, he, well, he could hint at it publicly because he can tend to be rather... Uh, as I say, a bit of a bull in a china shop. But I, th- I I think that one can't rule out that possibility that that calculus came into it. A couple of the other issues happening geopolitically, how did they fit into it? Of course, we've got the Russia-Ukraine situation. It seems like they're aligning themselves more with Russia than with the rest, uh, the West. Do I have that right? 
I think that's probably a safe bet. I think they probably one shouldn't read too much into that. You okay. know, some people are saying, "Oh, this is the alliance of the autocrats," and I think the Saudis are at least clever enough that they know they don't want to align themselves too closely with Russia. In fact, I think other than North Korea, nobody wants to be seen as being wholly in the Russian camp. I think it's more a sort of marriage of convenience that this works for them. Again, they don't see any particular reason to build ties with this particular White House. Um, so I think there is that. There is clearly, I mean. The withdrawal of Russian oil, it's either that they abandon the sanctions and everyone goes back to buying Russian oil. I mean, the Americans do have other cards to play, of course. They they are already looking at improving relations with Venezuela, which is under sanctions, and there is possibly a movement there and bringing Venezuelan oil back on top, although that will take a while. Um, and, I mean, it's not out of the question that they could improve ties down the road with Iran or at least soften the hostility because – right. One of the key elements of the alliance between the Americans and the Saudis is the fact that they're a counterbalance to Iran. And if Saudi Arabia is, well, first of all, Saudi Arabia regards the United States as a less reliable ally than it was in the past. And I think that's mutual. And I think um, the Americans would be more willing to deal with Iran than Saudi Arabia is willing to deal with Iran. And, and there might conceivably be moves in that direction coming as well. So these calculations the Saudis are making, ultimately, I mean, is it sort of a short-term thing? We know that everything is so in flux uh, with everything surrounding energy right now. And, you know, not only today, but who knows where it's going to be in 10 years, 20 years, 30. So uh, are, could they ultimately be shooting themselves in the foot here? Well, I guess to see it from their perspective, they'd say no, they're thinking of long term and, and they do have a reasonable position, which is that I don't think there is an American administration since the war that would not rather have found a way to get disentangled from the Middle East because it's seen as a quagmire. There's mm -hmm. nothing to gain, but you just can't avoid involvement. And the main reason you can't avoid involvement is oil. oil. It is energy and it's the dependence. And if there's a way that can be found to reduce that dependence or ideally to eliminate it, I think just about any American administration would do that. And the Saudis know this. The Saudis know that they're considered an expendable ally, and if the Americans could find a way of backing out, they would. So I think they're looking at cementing their own alliances in the region, um, playing the field a bit more, not assuming the Americans are always going to be in their corner, or at least not willing to, in particular, and not willing to fight for them. In the event, for example, of a conflict with Iran, they just don't believe American security guarantees can be relied upon. So I think they're looking to shore up relations with, for example, United Arab Emirates. They're trying to build better relations there. Uh, they're trying to build better relations with Israel. They're taking very much a regional focus, and I think they think we're going to have to stand on our own to a greater degree. So that I think that kind of backdrop informs his thinking, that there is a reasonable calculation he's got to make. It's kind of interesting because it's, you know, we continue, at least from what I can tell, we continue to sort of placate the Saudis. We put up with all kinds of nonsense, look the other way with the killing of journalists. I mean, the list goes on. Um, and, and you're saying they're starting to feel that maybe that blanket support that they've enjoyed is going away. I think so. I think, well, I mean, it, it, there are very clear indications because the Americans haven't been all that secretive, nor have the other Western countries been all that secretive that if they could find a way. Right. Uh, but they haven't been able to find that one. 
they haven't been able to find a way. But I think, you know, you mentioned a moment ago the Europeans, and I think the Europeans in particular are under intense pressure to find a way to minimize their dependence on imported energy. Because, I mean, just today, one of the big uh, German companies announced it's sort of permanently downsizing its operations in Europe because energy is simply too expensive and they yeah. don't see a solution to this. If the Germans in particular, which is a big manufacturing powerhouse, don't come up with a solution to the energy problem, which involves reducing dependence because they, they don't produce it, so they have to import gas and oil and they're looking at all the options they're exploring all possibilities including other suppliers of natural gas that they could be more reliant on uh, it includes shifting perhaps to nuclear although they're very ambivalent about that's certainly renewable energy I think that's ultimately going to cause a long-term drop in demand at least from Europe for any kind of carbon-based energy, and that could have significant implications. And again, I think the Saudis know that. They're, they, they sort of say, well, you know, in 10 or 15 years' time, nobody's, we're at the risk that, you know, demand for yeah. what we have to sell will have greatly reduced. We better grab the money while we can. Yeah, the one thing that's keeping us sort of in a position where we can call at least some of the shots could be gone very soon. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Um, thank you so much, John. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for being here today. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.